Okay, let's uh, dive into God's Word together. We're going to be in Psalm 13 today, and we're going to talk uh, about, um, going to continue our series in emotions. We're going to talk about battling despondency and despair today, right? So not really fun subject matter in that sense, but something we all deal with from time to time that we, that we need to really talk about. Despondency is an emotion of sadness, low spirits, or just deep discouragement. Um, despair, of course, is the loss of all hope. So many times despondency, when it carries out, you can be tempted towards uh, despair. And so none of us want to be sad. We don't want to be discouraged. We don't want to feel low, but we know at times we do. And these moments come nonetheless. And as Christians, we deal with these motions as well. Christians can battle these things, will battle these things. And, and, and by the way, Christians can even um, can deal with depression. And let me talk about that for just a moment. Just say, hear me say this before we get into the study today. If you struggle uh, with, de- with depression, with an ongoing depression or deep sadness or despairing of even life itself. In particular, if you've ever had or if you ever have um, suicidal ideation or anything like that, please, we always want to encourage you um, to get help. And if we can help you in any way, please reach out to us and let us help you and connect you with people uh, that can help. Life's too short filled with too many challenges for us to fight these battles alone. And this is something we should take very seriously. At times there is a medical side to these things as well. And I'm not a doctor. I'm a pastor. So I'm going to deal with the, the spiritual side to these things and these emotions and things of that nature today as we talk about this because these are many times a spiritual issue as well. And God's Word addresses everything. It addresses depression and it addresses anxiety and it addresses despondency and despair and all these things. So the question becomes, just as believers in general, what do we do from when from time to time we battle this feeling of despondency or deep discouragement uh, or when we're tempted even to despair, when, we, when things start feeling hopeless to us? Uh, what do we do in those moments? How do we handle that? Maybe you've battled that even in the course of this pandemic in these months. Maybe you've battled the illness itself. Maybe you've seen loved ones battle it. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe, uh, maybe you've lost your job or know people that have. Maybe, maybe the isolation, the lack of normalcy and routine, the lack of um, community at times maybe has been a real battle. And it certainly it, it has been. And, and it, it's, uh, this pandemic has taken its toll in ways uh, more than even the virus as we know. Researchers all the way back in the month of May, which seems like an eternity ago, predicted that 75,000 Americans could end up dying from deaths of despair due to coronavirus, meaning as deaths of despair, meaning things like deaths from drugs and alcohol addiction or suicide, things of that nature as they begin to uh, grow in despair uh, in the season. So here's the thing, no matter why or when you find yourself in what has been termed these dark nights of the soul, uh, we need to understand uh, that it's, it is something that can be a very normal thing to go through. And people in the Bible, by the way, dealt with these things as well. And, and, we, and we need to, when we, when we battle these things, we need to do just that. We need to battle them. We need to, we need to fight back. And in Psalm 13, we see David battling this of all people. Uh, Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6 is an incredible psalm of lament. So let's read that together. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. I invite you to grab a Bible or a device with Scripture on it, and let's dive in together. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. David writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. 
but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Well, this is a psalm of lament. And when we, when we look at these psalms, we always like to know like what was going on maybe when this was written. And sometimes we know, and sometimes it might even tell us, and then sometimes we don't know. And this is one of those times where we just don't know. Uh, we don't know the exact context of what's going on here when David wrote this or what the circumstances were. Uh, but when we think about David's life, there's uh, one, many think there's one particular season uh, where it could have been likely. We don't really know, but it, it, it kind of helps us to kind of understand the types of circumstances that might have led to this for David. Uh, you might remember that David, um, the, the most probably well-known story of David is when he killed Goliath as a young man. And uh, when he killed Goliath, he ended up becoming uh, a, kind of a war hero there uh, among the Israelites. And the king at that time was Saul, the first king of Israel. David would later become the second king of Israel. And as David grew in popularity after that increasingly um, as, as, as a hero there, as a war hero. And Saul, the more popular David got, the more jealous Saul got, um, and the more um, paranoid Saul got to the point that he began to think that he needed to take David out. He saw David as a threat and he wanted David dead. And so he began to go after David and try to kill David and chase David. And David had to flee. And Saul was also the father. David had, been, had faithfully served Saul. He had done nothing to undermine Saul. Um, and, and, and Jonathan, Saul's son, was David's best friend. And so this was a dark time for David as he had to spend time on the run there um, with the king, a very powerful king, trying to kill him. So maybe that was the, you know, we don't know, but it, it's easy for us to imagine uh, David being deeply despondent, even tempted to despair in that moment when he's on the run uh, for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And notice the phrase here in the passage, how long, O Lord? David prays, he laments like this four times. How long, how long, he's saying. He's expressing how he feels about his circumstances, how he feels about his trial, his pain, how he feels about the situation that he finds himself in, whatever that was. And in a broken world filled with sin and pain and suffering and difficulty, at times we may be filled with sadness or confusion or spiritual exhaustion. And it may be very natural at times to just cry out, how long, right? It could be a very natural reaction. And David is ready is what he's saying. He's ready for this to be over. He, he wants an end to it. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now, right, with the pandemic or something else in your life. We're ready for it to be over. How long, oh, Lord. I, I think about when we go to Alabama to visit family. Family still lives back in North Alabama. It's a good, with kids, a good 11-hour drive. And along that drive, multiple times along the way that day, I know I'm going to hear from the back of the van these two words, or three words, how much longer, right? How much longer? Uh, it's usually not are we there yet, but at some point it turns to that as we get closer, right? Are we, are we in Alabama yet? Those questions, and how much longer? How much longer is it going to be? Well, it's been five minutes since you asked, so it's five less minutes than it was before, right? Or if you've got children, if you've ever had to put a kid in timeout, if you've ever used that as a disciplinary measure, uh, how much longer do I have to be in timeout? Or from an adult standpoint, we don't like to wait either, right? And so whether it's at the doctor's office, right, and you sign your name in and you've been waiting for a while and you go up and you know, how much longer? Or you're at the restaurant and you put your name in, 30 minutes, 40 minutes goes by. Hey, we put our name in a while ago. How much longer? Because the truth is when we get older, we don't hate waiting any less, right? Uh, we, we do not like to wait and we particularly do not like waiting we really don't like it when we're going through difficulty and pain that is bringing sadness into our life and dark seasons. We want these things to be over. We want them over now. But it's in those seasons where it seems like time passes the slowest. 
I like what Charles Spurgeon said about this. Great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said, Time flies with full-fledged wing in our summer days, but in our winters he flutters painfully. A week within prison walls is longer than a month at liberty. And it's true. Time just seems to creep by when things aren't going well, and it seems to fly by when things are going well. And here in Psalm 13, David's crying out, How long? How long? Because things aren't going well and he is sad and it's a dark time but he's saying it notice to God. He is going through a difficult season down in the dumps and in a sense he's kind of complaining to God but, at least, but he is going to God and crying out. He's just dumping his heart out really before the Lord here. So I, I want you to notice a couple of things here in, in kind of how we look at this text. First I want you to notice how David felt. And then we're going to notice what David did. So how did David feel? Well, uh, the, 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 the four how longs here uh, kind of give us an idea into some things David was feeling. First, he felt forgotten by God. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Now, God had not forgotten David. He had not. And I think David knew that God had not forgotten David. The point is that in the moment, David felt forgotten is the point. Sometimes we feel different than we know. Have you ever been there? You, you know something, right? Cognitively, logically, uh, you, you, you believe something, but you feel Something different, right? Emotions are tricky in that way. And in this moment, David is saying, I feel forgotten. And he expresses this fear. Well, he expresses a fear that this will last forever, right? And that's kind of when you're going through a really bad season. Uh, that, that's the big fear, right? Is, it, when's this gonna, is this going to end? Will it ever end? Will it always be like this? And God had not forgotten David. And God has, has not forgotten you, believer. David wrote in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. Same guy wrote that. Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he, man, just so beautifully explains God's tender care and leadership of him. Listen, God does not forget his people. He shepherds his people. He leads his people. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he, he's with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Same David wrote that. So he understands that. This is how he feels in this moment. But God doesn't forget you. Don't let your feelings lie to you. Don't let your circumstances and your fears lie to you. Hold on to the promises of God. He felt forgotten, but he wasn't. He felt disconnected from God. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? Because things were not going well for David, he feels that he no longer has God's favor. He feels like God has, as he said, hid his face from him. He feels disconnected from God. He feels far from God. Maybe you've been there. Even as a believer, maybe there's been times where you just felt like God wasn't listening. Like there was a glass ceiling right above your head and your prayers were just hitting it, right? You just weren't getting through and you felt disconnected. You felt like God's face was hidden from you in some way. It's a feeling that maybe you have felt, and that's what David's expressing here. He says, he even points out he feels consumed by sorrow. He feels consumed by sorrow. In verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? That phrase, take counsel in my soul, uh, the NIV translates, translates it as wrestle with my thoughts, or the New Living says struggle with anguish in my soul. The idea is that David feels an anguish and a tormenting and an emotional heaviness as his heart is filled, as he says, with sorrow or sadness. It's, it's consuming him because he says it's all the day. In other words, there's no break from this. It, I carry this around with me. He, he can't seem to escape it. There's a sense of loneliness to it, right? It's like a burden that he must carry, and it feels that he is carrying it alone. Maybe you felt that way before? That you're going through something, there's a heaviness, there's a sorrow to it, and, and you, just, it, you feel like it's like your battle alone? and that you're battling it alone, and that there's this anguish, there's this inner anguish and sadness or darkness or dis discouragement or whatever it may be. And if that's the case, listen, David's felt that way. David felt that way. And maybe you felt that way as well. 
Or maybe, like David, you have felt defeated. He felt defeated by his enemy. He says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now we see there, there is an enemy, so maybe it's Saul, but we don't know. But there is someone he feels who is defeated and humiliated him. Who's exalted over him in this moment. Have you ever felt defeated? Ever felt humiliated by sin, by a sickness, by a circumstance? Or how about this, by, the, by our enemy, the devil, right? Who prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour? Have you ever felt like he was devouring you? This is how David felt. He's crying out to God. He wants an end to this. He is filled with despondency. He's on the brink of despair. The season he is in is dark. And we all have had seasons where maybe, maybe we can identify with David. And the question becomes, what do we do? And that's the next thing I want to talk about. So what did David do? Let's look at what he did. And there's four things that we see that he did that I think we can do. So I want to present these to you in this way, things, or three things, excuse me, that we can do um, in these moments. Three ways to kind of battle back against despondency and despair. Number one, pray to God as the solution, not the problem. God is our solution. He's not, he's, he's not the problem, right? He's the one we look to. He's the one we lean on. So we need to pray to him. He says in verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes. At, at first, he almost seems to be blaming God when you go to verse 1. But, but the fact is, he's praying to God. And he tells us, he's, here we see that he, he looks to God as the one who has the answers, right? He's praying to God as the one that can help him. He's making his petition to the Lord. And that little phrase there he uses, O Lord my God. David understands something. He understands there is nowhere else for him to go, nor is there anywhere else he would want to go. The Lord is his God. The Lord is his God. And he prays to be considered uh, and to be answered in this moment. But for what? That God would light up my eyes. It seems to be a request for, for strength emotionally and physically. For, uh, you might even say for God to change his countenance. And uh, I like the way Charles Swindoll writes about this. Charles Swindoll writes of this phrase that David's countenance, he says, had lost its shine. His face and especially his eyes had become hard, flat, and dull. He longed for God's brightness to reflect itself once again from his eyes. His face had fallen. And that's what despondency does, right? That's what and trials can do that when we go through these dark seasons where just everything just kind of falls. And that's what David's going through here. So he's looks, looking to God. And in a sense, he's saying, cheer me up. In a sense, he's saying, give me joy back. In a sense, he's saying, give me the strength and the energy and the emotion, everything I need to be who you want me to be. Um, he, he's looking to God as uh, in this moment. He's praying to him. And he sees God as his hope for life and for victory. That's why he's praying to God. Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy says I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Right? Unless this thing gets worse. Unless things get worse. God, unless that happens, God, I look to you. I pray to you. You are the only hope I have for a solution here. When you read through the Psalms, you'll see David battle all kinds of emotions, but you will see him coming to God, crying out to God. He didn't see God as the problem in his circumstance. He saw God as the solution. God was his only hope. Many times when you are filled with sadness and discouragement or are tempted to despair, you may not feel like praying. Right? You may not feel like praying. You may not feel like talking to God, but that's when you need prayer the most. That's when you need the Lord. You always need the Lord, but that's when, man, you, we really, in those times when we don't feel like praying is when we really need to pray. It's because you don't feel like it doesn't mean you don't need it. In fact, you might need it more than, than ever. During this um, 
crazy season we've been in these last several months. Uh, when this all began, and and um, we were doing the uh, we 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 do an online grocery uh, order thing, and uh, and um, but when any else thing we needed, I was the one running out to the grocery store and doing all that, and Christy Christy wasn't. We did it that way for couple of months or so that anytime anything we forgot or we needed quick, I was the one that would go get that. And here's the thing. I'm horrible at it, okay? I'm a horrible grocery shopper. We spend more money when I grocery shop. It takes longer when I grocery shop. Um, I get things wrong, right? I have, I have to really, if it, it, parsley and uh, cilantro, very confusing for me. But I've gotten better. I've gotten much better. But, um, but, you know, we go through that. And so I'm texting Christy, where's the whatever, right? Where's the whatever is on the list? And, and at some point, I'll finally break down sometimes and I'll ask somebody. And I hate to do that, right? Especially right now, everybody's got their mask on. You can't hardly talk and communicate. And you, you feel, you know, so weird walking around. And, and, and so you kind of avoid that. But you, I go up and down the aisles and it takes forever. But what I need to do is just get help right? I might not want to get help. I might not like doing that. It's kind of like some of you don't like stopping for directions or whatever. Uh, we, we just, we, even when we think we don't need it, we need help. And you may not feel like it, but you need to get it. And you may not feel like praying, but that many times it's when you need to be praying. When you're down in the dumps, when things are low, when you're discouraged, go to the Lord in prayer. You don't need to try and fix it yourself. You need to first go to God. He's not the problem. He's the solution. He wants to help. He wants to brighten your eyes. Go to God and be honest with him in prayer. When you read Psalm 13, it's a very honest prayer. In fact, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward at times when you read Psalm 13. You're like, man, David, this is you wrote this down for other people uh, to read later. You read some of the Psalms, and you're like, I... Wow, David wrote this down for other people to read thousands of years later. Uh, that's a lot of honesty there, right? He's just pouring his heart out to God, though. Listen, this is not some rote um, thing that he had memorized that he just kind of prayed the same prayer every day. He's talking to God. He's telling God exactly how he feels. And he's, because he knows, he knows the Lord is the one he, he needs. God already, listen, God already knows how you feel. You might as well tell him, right? He's not going to be surprised. I heard Pastor Johnny Hunt say one time years ago, you can't hurt omnipotence. How true is that? You can't. Listen, he already knows. Go to God. Pour out your heart to God and get honest with God in prayer. Number two, trust in God's steadfast love. Trust in God's steadfast love. He says, verse 5, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. And things are beginning to change, right? In verse 5 and 6, the, the, the big, the, 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 the conjunction there, but, right? Things are changing. David may have felt one way, but. Things may be going one way, but, right? I have trusted in your steadfast love. Well, what does that mean, steadfast love? Um, in the Hebrew, it's the word hesed, the hesed love of God. It's God's covenant love. It's God's faithful love. You see it all through the Old Testament. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a beautiful word in the Hebrew to describe God as the promise-keeping, faithful God that he is, the God that pursues you, who always loves you, that never stops loving you. I love the way uh, well, the New American Standard translates it, his loving kindness. Uh, the NIV translates it, his unfailing love, which is a, is a great picture of it. Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible says it this way, his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And that's exactly right. It's exactly what it is. And David chose to trust that though his circumstances had changed, his God had not. Though things were bad and it felt bad, God still loved him and God would still be faithful to him. That the God that was faithful on the mountain was faithful in the valley. There are going to be times in your life where you feel one thing, where your circumstances look one way, but you're going to have to trust God and his promises. That is going to happen. 
regularly in life where circumstances look bad, feelings are telling you one thing, and you're going to have to trust the facts of God's word that when he says, I love you, I love you. When I'm with you, I'm with you. And I'm working for your good, he's working for your good, right? It's steadfast love of God. It's not the fickle love of God. It's not the temperamental love of God. It's the steadfast love of God. Satan would love for a believer to doubt God's love for them. Nothing could be more depressing than believing that the God of the universe doesn't care about you. That's why Apostle Paul encourages us with these words in Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. Great passage. Apostle Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing, Paul says. There's nothing on this earth. There's no demon. There's no angel. There's nothing in your life today. There's nothing in your life that's going to come into your life tomorrow or 20 years from now. There's absolutely nothing. There's no power. There's no creature. There's no thing that can separate you from God's love from you in Christ Jesus, believer in Christ. In Christ's death on your behalf for your sin and his glorious resurrection is the proof. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You can't just read these things, though. You've got to choose to believe them, right? You can't just read them or memorize it or sing about it, right? We can sing songs all day. We've got to believe it. Trust God. Trust in his steadfast love when you're discouraged, when you're sad, when you're despondent, when you're tempted to despair. Trust in the steadfast love of God. And number three, hope in God's salvation and goodness. He says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'll sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David says, my heart shall rejoice your salvation. He's speaking with a, a confident expectation that God's going to deliver him. My heart shall rejoice. He's looking forward to God delivering him from his circumstance. See that? My heart shall rejoice. Now, I'm looking forward to that with a confident expectation. He's, he's hoping in God that ultimately God's going to resolve this ultimately in a way that is favorable to him and it's for his good and God's glory. You know, when we use hope in our language versus the way hope is presented in the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament when you see that word hope, it's going to be very different, right? And so we say things like, um, you know, I hope the car cranks, right? I hope we have college football this year. I've said that a few times this week. Or I, I, I hope things are better with this pandemic by whatever, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that things are back to some normalcy or whatever. Uh, and what, what we really mean is I don't really know, right? I don't know, I don't know what's happening tomorrow, but I hope, I wish, I wish is what we mean. That's not New Testament hope. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation that God is going to fulfill his promises. Not crossing my fingers and wishing, but I have a confident expectation that this is going to happen. That's what David is expressing here when he says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. It's that kind of hope. His, his heart had grown discouraged and despondent and was tempted to despair, but here he says, it will rejoice. You know, our heart needs hope. It does. Despair is the loss of it. And when David was tempted to despair, he fought it with the certain hope that he had in God. David's circumstances had not changed, but his attitude was changing. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I know this. Ultimately, God's going to save us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to rescue us from every trial, every sin, every danger. If not in this life, the next. We know that, right? 
Like, eternity is a big deal. And if you're in Christ, it's a big deal to understand that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's a big deal to understand that Jesus is coming back one day and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth with no sin, no sickness, no death, no pandemics, no loneliness, no nothing, right? That, that, that day is coming. And in light of that, we live this life with confident hope in our God who saves us and who rescues us. In verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. David was, had, had went from complaining to declaring that he will sing, right? Everything's changed a lot from verse 1. Not, not his circumstances, but his perspective had changed. He's been recalibrated through his time in prayer. Why the singing? Because the Lord, he says, has dealt bountifully with him. The NIV translates that he has been good to me. That's the goodness of God. He's hoping in the goodness of God. And In verse 1, it's, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? But now God has dealt bountifully with me. His hope is in God, and he confidently expects God to work things for his good, whatever that means. And he didn't know what it would mean, right? But ultimately, he just knew that God was for him. And we really know that. In Christ Jesus, if you're in Christ today as a believer in Christ, God is for you. And he's working for your good, and he's working for his glory, ultimately. Matthew Henry writes of this passage. He said, Quote, he has dealt bountifully with me formerly. He's, he's, he's giving you David's thought process here. He says, he has dealt bountifully with me formerly, like in the past, and he shall have the glory of that. However, he is, he is, however, he is pleased to deal with me now. In other words, no matter how he's pleased to deal with me in my presence, he has dealt bountifully. He's been good to me in the past, and I shall, I shall sing to him for that. I shall glorify for him for that. Matthew Henry goes on, I will sing in hope of what he will do for me at last, being confident that all will end well will end everlastingly well. Henry writes, but he speaks of it as a thing past because by faith he had received the earnest of the salvation and he was as confident of it as if it, he had been done already. Faith, hope, that's, that's how he's responding here. David knew in the darkness that he had reason to sing and his day for singing was coming. His hope was in God, not his circumstances, not his resolve, not his self, but in the Lord. Dark days come and when they do, we need to pray. We need to trust and we need to hope. We need to pray to God, trust in God and his steadfast love, hope in God and his salvation and his goodness. And if you're in Christ Jesus, listen, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have no reason to despair. You have no reason to despair. And let me say this for free. <laughs> we need to sing, by the way. That's not really what this passage is about. We need singing about the goodness and salvation of God. We gather together and we sing as a church when we do because it glorifies God and it pleases him. But also we need it and it's good for our souls. And that's why we have a book of songs. And that's why sometimes when you see the Psalms, this book of songs, it goes from sadness to singing. Because that was a part of the way the Lord ministers to our hearts and to our souls even in these dark times. Pray, trust, hope. Let's think about this in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the first couple of verses of Psalm 13 again. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Now think about the Lord Jesus with me. Matthew 27, 46, he's on the cross. Teaches that on the cross that he cried this out in Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he bore the wrath of God for our sin. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm, and that's what Jesus is quoting from when he says that. It's recorded in Matthew 27. And in Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2, it's recorded, David wrote this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's where Jesus is quoting from. Why are you so far from saving me? 
from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Or how about this? How about Isaiah 53? Isaiah writes, prophesying of the Messiah, written so long before Jesus came to die for our sin. It is an amazing prophecy. Isaiah 53 verses 3 and 4 says, He, the Messiah, was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Or verse 11 of that chapter says, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Believer, we can have peace and joy in this life in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain. Real simple, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, because he suffered the greatest pain, the greatest anguish, the greatest sorrow on the cross, bearing God's wrath for us, that we may know God's steadfast love and trust in it, that we may experience God's salvation and rejoice in it, uh, that our cries of despair can be turned into songs of joy. Look at the cross. God has dealt bountifully with you. He always will. And believer, you are loved, you are treasured, and you have reason, you have reason to rejoice in every season of life. I love what Tim Keller writes in his book. He has a devotional on the Psalms. It's a great little devotional to pick up called The Songs of Jesus. And he, this is what he says about Psalm 13 in The Songs of Jesus. He says, quote, as long as we howl, that's what he calls what David's doing when he says, how long, O oh Lord, how long, O oh Lord? He's like he's howling to God. He says, as long as we howl toward God, and remember his salvation by grace. We will end at a place of peace. If Christians do that by hearing Jesus praying verses 1 through 4 on the cross, losing the Father's face as he paid for our sins, we'll be able to pray verses 5 and 6 indeed. And we have to understand what Jesus did for us and to keep that in the forefront of us, even in the times where we're tempted to despair, even when the times were, when we've grown despondent. How do we battle against despondency and despair in the dark seasons? Well, it starts by looking to Jesus, who, who took what we deserve on the cross and rose again and, and realizing what he did for us in our place and how he came to, to identify with us and die in our place. And then and in light of Jesus, we pray to God as the solution, not the problem. We trust in his steadfast love and we hope in his salvation. Maybe today you're watching and you've never experienced what David talks about, he talks about this idea of salvation. Maybe you've never, maybe you don't have reason, you feel like, to rejoice in his salvation because maybe you've never experienced ultimate salvation from, from your sin, from, from God's wrath. And the Bible teaches we all need to experience that. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we all deserve to be punished for our sin and to spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell. But the Bible says that God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus into the world to live a sinless life that we could never live and to die on the cross in our place, to bear the sin, our sin, and to bear the wrath of God, the punishment we deserve for our sin in himself on the cross and that he was risen from the dead in victory so that sinners like us can be declared righteous in the eyes of God. And if you'll turn away from your sin 
and turn to Jesus in faith, trusting him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved today. So if you've never done that, we always want to invite you to do that. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll look to him now, call out to him, ask him to forgive you of your sin. Put your faith, put your trust in Jesus and what he's done for you to save you. You can be saved right now. And I would encourage you to do that if if you've never done that. If you've got questions about it, um, email us at info at gonorthpark.com or if you call on Jesus today to save you and you'd like to like us to celebrate with you, we'd love to do that. Email us at info at gonorthpark.com. And believer, if you need help in this season, if you've grown despondent, despondent, if you're tempted to despair, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you. Let us know your prayer request. Let us know if there's a way that you need to connect. You can use that same way, info at gonorthpark.com. Life is too short, too troublesome um, to, to go through this alone. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful today for your love for us, your steadfast love. Uh, We're grateful today uh, for the salvation you offer us in Christ Jesus, that you give us, even in difficult seasons, reason to rejoice, reason to sing. I pray for anyone right now, Lord, that has never trusted in Christ, that today they turn from sin to Jesus, putting their faith and trust in him. Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, that they would understand how loved they are by you in Jesus. Lord, I pray for every believer that's watching this right now, especially for the ones who are despondent right now, who are discouraged right now, who are tempted to despair. Lord, would, would, would you minister to them? I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to their heart and to their life right now and help them to come to you in prayer, to, to trust in your steadfast love, to, to hope in you today, and to, to hope in your goodness, to hope in your salvation, to call out to you in prayer. Lord, we, we, we are grateful that in Christ we have so much reason to hope and so much to live for and, and so much to celebrate. Help us to live in light of Jesus and his love for us today. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.